All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Boca Podcast. I am your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm excited to be back here with you today. If you're listening to the audio version of this, know that we're also streaming these episodes live now during the recording at facebook.com slash Boca Podcast, and then also on YouTube, youtube.com slash Photogs Edit, the Photographer's Edit YouTube channel. We're streaming live. So if you're, if you're listening in, watching live, make sure to comment, say hello, send us funny emojis, ask questions, whatever you'd like to do. But I am joined today uh, by not only a, well, actually not a new guest, a return guest. Brooke Schultz is here with me. Brooke, thank you for hanging out with me today. Oh, and Brooke, I think we lost you on audio. Can you can you say hello again? Ah, Hi, I hear you now. Okay, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. No worries. Live at all. technical difficulties. Hey, I just said hey. It's good to be back. Thank you for having me. Well, it's good to have you. And um, I know that we didn't get a chance to chat before we started recording. Uh, we were kind of rushing in. It's it's truly good to see you. It's good to have you back on the show. And believe it or not, it's been a little over two years actually since you were last on the Boca Podcast. Can you believe that? Yeah. Oh my gosh, time flies. <laughs> it does. And this, this was back. So we'll put this in the show notes. We'll link to it. For those of you listening in, if you go to bocapodcast.com, we'll link to this in the show notes. The original episode, I think it was 219. And we talked about how to create love-soaked, I love this title, love-soaked family portraits. And we're going to actually continue that conversation today, more specifically talking about posing. And I, I love the, the title, Unboring Posing Family Portraits. Yes, we are going to rock it out and get those family photos just singing and being love-soaked instead of boring and obnoxiously stale. <laughs> <laughs> obnoxiously stale, yes. I, I think kind of stereotypically, I think back to family portraits even growing up where you know we would go to a studio. Well, first of all, my, my dad was a kind of an amateur photographer, a, a hobbyist, if you will. So he would definitely set up photos at home, but then occasionally we might actually go to like a what life life touch studios or something Ooh, comparable to yeah. that like olin mills maybe <laughs> yes and go get our portraits done and talk about mm-hmm. stale and boring that was about the epitome of stale and boring yes well and that's i love that you bring that up because i think photographers forget that that the landscape of family photography has changed so much in mm. the past 10 20 30 years and a lot of times i'll hear photographers other photographers saying, well, oh, my clients don't want like natural and loving and love soaked images. They want everybody smiling, looking at the camera for their Christmas card. And I always remind them that the landscape of family photography has changed so much in the past few years. And it's not because of clients. It's because of what photographers have done over those, over those years. And that we are the architects of these of our art world and that clients just get to come along that clients didn't even know that in home lifestyle family photos were a thing until photographers started doing it. And we just forget how much power we have. We, yeah. Especially when we move collectively, right? Uh, we're, I mean, if you think about the changes, not only with family portraits, but senior photography, school photography, the way that 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 whole landscape has changed because of this collective movement as a photography industry. It's pretty wild to think about. Yeah. And I mean, with everything that we have access to things like your show, the internet, all the, all the education and ideas that we have access to now that we didn't before that landscape is only going to 
continue to change faster. And sometimes that can feel overwhelming, I think, to a lot of photographers. Like, oh gosh, I just have to keep up with, you know, everything that's changing so quickly. But I think it's actually the best news ever because it can be really empowering to feel like there's so many options and there's so there's so much to do that you get to do whatever it is that you want to do. And there's an audience and a market for any type of family photography that you want to create. Well, and that is going to take us into the conversation about posing and specifically the style of photography. I know that you're probably kind of teaching, but certainly photographing yourself. And for everybody listening in, if you haven't been to Brooke's Instagram account, I, I want to go here first because Brooke, I was actually looking at your Instagram feed actually this past week in preparation for our conversation. And I, I want to bring that up here really quick. One second here. So I, I'm going to share my screen, but if everybody listening in, if you go to Instagram.com slash Brooke B. Schultz, B-R-O-O-K-E-B-S-C-H-U-L-T-Z. All right. I think I got all the letters. You got it. There's so many consonants in there. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're going to see what I'm talking about here. But as we scroll through, a couple of things, first of all, Brooke. I've been in the industry for a long time, so I see a lot of photography, and there's just some genuinely beautiful photography in here, first of all, so just props to you, you for that. <laughs> but then I really like the feed itself because there is a, a wonderful variety to it. There was this kind of obsession, I think maybe a couple of years ago, with the notion of creating a feed that was almost homogenous, right? Everything was yeah. exactly the same, the colors, <laughs> the poses, everything. And I, I, I get the thought process, but I love the variety mm -hmm. in your feed. There are a variety of poses, a variety of styles of photographs, and yet there's also a bit of continuity to it too, this kind of softness, the, the mm -hmm. colors, the tonality throughout the images that's really wonderful. Talk to us a little bit about the thought process behind your Instagram feed as it stands right now. Thank you. I'm so glad that you brought this up because I don't have a whole lot of thought process behind the feed itself, meaning I don't think about like what, how can I get these colors looking good together and how can I, um, you know, make it look homogenous as you were saying. Um, and I think that if that is a strength of yours and that is something that you want to do, like feel free to lean in, but it's not strength of um i love just those i love all types of all types of family imagery not just one specific type um like not just you know the whole family all together or not just mother and child or not soft backlit but not just in like i i kind of want to have it all. And so I do try to um, get a little bit of variety in there. But the biggest thing that I do is just pre-plan, which I'm sure many of your listeners already do, just pre-plan which images I'm going to share next. I just use the app. I think it's just called Preview, just to uh, see which image I, I want to post next in the feed. Um, I used to try to do like three at a time and plan out three at a time, but that didn't end up working for me. So now I just do one at a time. And I think it's, it's very personal how you, how you like to present your work. And so if you're finding that something's not working for you, that like one of your favorite photographers recommended, don't be afraid to, to go another way. 
Yeah, I don't I don't think that we all have to do exactly the same thing. That's it's a great point, actually. And ultimately, as long as the feed is supporting the brand position, we talk a lot about brand position here on the podcast, but as long as the feed supports the brand position and is a not only an introduction to that brand to new clients, but a continuation of the brand to existing clients. I think that matters a little bit more. And I would tend to, Brooke, I, I would tend to want to go a different direction than when most people are doing. I think the photography yeah. industry, and I've certainly been guilty of it as well, it has a tendency of following the crowd, right? We see what oh, yeah. is popular, what's mm-hmm. trendy, and we all just kind of follow suit. And there's opportunity for us to stand out in the industry and to potential clients if uh, we are willing to do something a little bit different. So I'm glad that you bring that up. Just a little side note for everybody listening and apologies. I think we had some issues with the audio initially uh, and we had, we had a comment. Our producer, Jill actually um, said, Hey, we can't hear you very well, Nathan. So um, we, I think I've fixed the issue. Let us know, Jill, if, if you're continuing to hear that and uh, we'll make sure to try to adjust the, the volume is necessary, but I think we're back on track. I think we're good. Brooke, can you hear me okay? Yeah. Okay, perfect. All right. So yeah, like you said, the, the technicalities of running a live stream here, it can get a little interesting, <laughs> but I, I, we're, we're managing. I think this is only our like our fifth live stream. So I, I think we're adapting oh, pretty well. So fun. It is fun. Yeah, it's, it's a different... Um, yeah, I got a thumbs up. So that's good. Um, it's a different format, but I think there's something yeah. fun to the interaction that we can have with the live stream. Mm-hmm. So for those of you that are mm-hmm. watching, please don't hesitate to comment ask questions, make suggestions. Uh, again, send us funny emojis, make us laugh while we're <laughs> trying to, to be somewhat professional here. Uh, we'd love to have fun and, and interact in that way. And then for those of you listening on the audio version, make sure to follow us at Boca Podcast on Instagram and keep up with the next live stream and you can join in on the conversation. That being said, Brooke, um, I want to keep going because we've uh, this topic of posing specifically unboring posing for family portraits. We're going to get into this here in just a second. Most of our regular listeners will know that I start off the conversation, these episodes, these interviews, normally with a series of shorter questions. For those of you who missed that first interview with you, we're going to link to that episode in the show notes so they can get to know you a little bit more, hear a little bit about how you approach customer service, a little bit about brand position and time management. We talked about that in the previous episode. We're going to dig right into the main topic for today. And this, this phrase, unboring posing for family portraits, is that something that you coined or just kind of heard and thought, oh, I'm going to run with this? Like, where did the motivation for this, this thought process come from? Well, I didn't coin it yet, but I have now. Like, we are going for it. If it's coined, <laughs> okay, maybe, maybe it'll get a trademark or something. <laughs> um, no, I just see so much. And I mean, all of your listeners, I'm sure as well, that so much in family photography is just boring. And I cannot think of anything less boring than family. Like there is nothing more shape-shifting, dynamic, energy, and energy-laden and love-soaked than being in a family. And everybody being at home with their families this past year, especially All right. For those of you who are watching live, I, I think um, we're having, uh, Brooke may have had some connection issues on her end. So it's uh, frozen there for a second. I'm going to come back to me here while we wait for her to reconnect. Actually, you... Hey, Brooke, are you still there? I'm here. Can okay, you hear me? Like, yeah. It looks like you might have a, a slightly weaker connection. You, you froze for a second. Fortunately, it wasn't Okay. It, it wasn't a, uh, like a bad face. You weren't frowning at us or anything. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, but please, are we please good keep now? Going. Yeah, yeah. Continue. Okay, with that yeah. So, cool. So I was just saying, like, 
family is a lot of things, but boring is not one of them. And so it just doesn't make sense to me that family images should be boring, that they should be stiff, that they should be posed, that they should be everybody just like all tense, that there shouldn't be any energy and movement and motion to it. And a lot of family photographers that I have the pleasure of teaching and working with start out trying to pose families in a way that is is very stiff and very like, can you put your hand, can you stand here? Can you hug your mom here? And all of that lends itself to images that are just stale, that don't represent you as a photographer and as an artist, and that certainly don't speak to anything that's unique about the family in front of your lens. But the good news is that you don't have to reinvent the wheel at every single family session um, and that you don't have to send you know a huge long questionnaire to your each family to figure out what's unique about them that there's very simple things that you can do to make your family photos less boring and authentic to the family in front of you and also authentic to you as an artist and what you want to create. Well, this is a really great parlay into something that I'm seeing here on the homepage of your website. I mean, your position statement is as simple and brief and to the point as can be. I love that. Photographs with soul. And then as you scroll down, it says, hi, I'm Brooke, and my secret power is photographing love in an authentic way that tells the whole story. And I mean, that's kind of an interesting notion that you're able to, without sending, you mentioned not sending a questionnaire you're able to photograph the family in a way that tells the whole story. So I want to kind of pick this apart a little bit. I know we're going to talk specifically about certain principles that drive this approach to photographing a session, but talk to me first about how you're able to avoid sending a questionnaire to this family to understand, you know, the way that they live or the way that they tend to play together or whatever the questions that most family photographers might uh, actually ask ahead of time. How are you able to just go into a session like that and be able to capture a family effectively and to the second point, tell the whole story that way? Yeah. So I I do send a questionnaire to families, but it's very simple. I ask three questions and you can download this questionnaire for free. Um, you can go to brookschultzphotography.com forward slash goodies and we'll get that link, I'm sure, to Nathan for the show notes. Absolutely. Um, but So I do send a questionnaire, but I think that a lot of family photographers overestimate the importance of the questionnaire. And they think that, like you said, it has to be, what are you doing on a day-to-day basis? And that it has to be 75 questions long. And really all I need to know is just a very simple information. And then it's much more about the energy space that we're inhabiting than it is about, you know, the facts and figures of how they spend their days or what they like to do as a family. Now, again, this is a very personal process. If you are a strictly documentary photographer, you might ask more questions or different questions than I do about their rituals or that kind of thing. But the family imagery that I'm drawn to make is is much more focused on an emotion and a unique emotional experience that is that family than it is about any specific activity. And so when I show up to a family shoot, I know that number my number one job is to inhabit the type of energy that I want to get back from then. And so what that looks like for me is a lot of demoing for them what I want them to do. 
And in imposing, instead of just saying, you stand here and you stand there, then I have a whole slew of games and activities that we do to, to create an environment in which moments can happen authentically, but they can also happen sort of on demand when I'm ready for them. I shoot 100% film and oh, wow. I'm, I'm manually focusing a lot of the time. Wow. So I don't have the luxury and also the crutch of chasing the moment and running around chasing kids around the house or around a location. And so I need to create the moment when I'm ready for it, when I focus, when I have them in good light. And so I would recommend to all the photographers listening to think about what is your approach to family portraiture? And do you think about the energy and the emotion that you're bringing as being the number one job that you have in that family session? Okay, so I want to get. I, we're going to actually go here in just a second and talk about some of the things that you've noticed in in the photography industry from other family portrait photographers that are causing images to be boring and how we can address those issues. We'll we'll get there in a second. But you mentioned a couple of things here that I have to to go back to. First of all, I, I mean this is pretty gutsy move to say that not shooting film or to shooting digital, and of course you know the spray and pray mentality with a digital camera is a crutch. I, I mean this is. I, are you gonna are you gonna hold to that that word? <laughs> oh no! So what I mean by a crutch yeah. is that you that a lot of time I think there are fantastic digital photographers, fantastic film photographers. I definitely don't mean to say that film is better than digital or that sure. you're a more intentional photographer if you shoot film than if you shoot digital. No, there are I'm, certainly like many photographers. Oh, please, yes. <laughs> you, there's certainly many photographers in both mediums that that do both, that are spray and pray in, in film. It's just really expensive to do spray and pray in film. Absolutely. Um, and that are very intentional digital shooters, very intentional film shooters. So what I mean by using it as a crutch is that a lot of photographers that I talk to before they learn these principles, before they really embody this idea that that we have to be intentional about family imagery, they feel like they're constantly chasing the moment. They're constantly waiting for that exploding emotion or waiting for families to be emotive or waiting for kids to, you know, do X, Y, Z. And they're kind of just like shooting all along the way. And the, the thing that I recommend is waiting to take the poke, the picture until that is happening. And if you don't know how to how to create that, how to make that happen when you're ready for it, then you're going to spend a whole lot of time just sitting there not taking a picture in a family shoot. And so, yeah. And so I do think that it is essential to have a way to, to make a moment happen and to be ready for a moment rather than feeling like, oh gosh, I'm just running around chasing them for two hours waiting for them to do what I want them to do. Because a lot of photographers will say, well, I I just don't know quite what I want them to do. I don't really, like, so that's why I pose them. And um, then it ends up feeling, so it falls flat and it feels sort of stale and boring. Um, But I don't really know and I want to look professional. And so that's why I tell them where to stand and and do all these micromanaging things about where the hands are going and this (laughs) and that. Right. And, And again, 
if any of this is working for you, you can like just feel free to leave what is not serving you. But what I find is that a lot of photographers spend so much time micromanaging all those things that then there's no room for emotion and for love and for the energy and the humor and whimsy of kids and all that stuff will come very naturally if you are able to set up the environment to make it so. How do you how do you avoid one of the things that I think about as you're describing this is an environment at a workshop, a photography workshop or a conference where they're doing that they've got models there and they've got a shoot and a number of photographers standing around and you have a model or maybe a couple of models or maybe even a whole family that's posing for this session and photographers are click, 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 clicking away, but literally not engaging with the models in front of them really in any way. Mm. And there's mm-hmm. this expectation, and I know that photographers do this at times on their own as well. There's this expectation that it's just going to, that picture's just going to kind of happen, right? That stand over there and look happy or look like you like each other. You know, some of these kind of stereotypical phrases that you hear in the industry. And, and it's hard not to think about that as you're describing the scenario where we're supposed to just kind of let this energy happen or let this interaction happen in front of us without interacting with it. Uh, maybe maybe you're going to address this in a second in some of these these talking points about kind of weaknesses where photographers could make their sessions a little bit more interesting. But can you at least speak to that briefly? What's the difference, the contrast between just, quote, letting it happen, but doing so in such a passive way that you end up with nothing? And I guess creating the atmosphere, to your earlier point, the energy, if you will, that encourages them to actually interact in such a way that we're going to end up with really loving photos. Yes, I love this. Oh, and it's especially poignant to me because I'm just coming off of my annual retreat that I do for family photographers. And so we shoot four or five families in three days. And um, there is a lot of that sort of workshop (laughs) environment going on where there are a lot of photographers and just a model family. And uh, there's lots of click, click, clicking. And I'm interacting with the model family, but they're not necessarily. And they they have turns to interact and that kind of thing. But um, I think that a lot, a lot more needs to be said about your vision for what you want to create versus just showing up and, like you said, thinking, okay, it, uh, it just needs to be natural and loving. A lot of times when I ask family photographers what they want to create, they'll say, well, I just want them to look natural and like they love each other. Like you said, like they like each other. Yeah. Uh, but I encourage everyone, all family photographers and no matter what what you shoot, to back up the bus and ask yourself, what story do I want to tell? And as photographers, we are visual storytellers. And so what is that story that you want to tell? What's your story of family? And a great, some great access points to, to drill down into this are what is your literal story of family? What was your family growing up? Mm. And then what does it mean to you to be a mom? What does it mean to you to be a sibling, a dad? Um, what does it mean to you to be at home? And you're <laughs> initially you might not think that your answers are very special or unique but as you start trying to translate those into visual imagery you'll realize how how impossible it is to replicate that and that i mean there's that phrase, it's all been done before, but it hasn't been done by you. And I could not agree with that more in terms of family photography, Mm -hmm. that when you really spend a lot of time with that idea of what's your story of family, then you approach 
any of those scenarios in a much different way. Whether you're the one interacting with the family and directing them what to do or not, it's all about, <laughs> oh man, forgive the cheesy, but it's all about the the lens through which you view a family. <laughs> nice, yeah. I mean, I had to go there, sorry. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I think it really, if you if you know what you're looking for, you can you can get what you're looking for, whether you're interacting with the family in that workshop setting or whether it's your own shoot where you decide to interact with them more or less. Again, it's very personal and you have to try out that process and and refine that process as you go with how much you like to direct versus how much you like to hang back. Um, but you can't just show up thinking, well, I don't, I don't know how to direct. So that means I'm not going to, and I'm just going to hang back and uh, automatically get what I want. Well, I, first of all, Brooke, don't hesitate to be like super specific. I, you don't have to apologize for being really direct. You've got a certain style. I mean, our, our listeners can, can see and going back to your Instagram account, the, the beautiful work that you do. So don't, don't hesitate to be a little bit dogmatic today. We definitely want to hear your take on it. I know that there's different approaches, different styles. We definitely want to kind of focus on yours. But that being said, uh, maybe before, because there are certain kind of follow-up questions that have come to mind as you're talking. I, let me go ahead and jump to this, this next question, because this might solve a lot of potential questions that myself and others have in their heads as well regarding this approach, this style. Let's contrast, and, and actually, you wrote an article for Rangefinder, which we'll link in the show notes at bocapodcast.com talking about this approach to family portrait photography. I want to take a little bit of a different angle to the conversation and ask you first, and I alluded to this earlier, what are certain things, if you were to name, say, three different things that, that come to mind that you see regularly in the photography industry and in Instagram feeds on Facebook, on websites that photographers are doing that is leading to those boring, stale photographs that we were talking about earlier? We list those first, and then maybe we can go back and take each one and dig into them a little bit and, and come up with the solution for each of those potential problems. Would love to. Okay, okay so the first thing is when you're shooting in home, so in home family photography has skyrocketed in popularity, and I am like 100% on board. I love it. Um, a lot of a lot of photographers start shooting in home with maybe um, a newborn session. But the biggest mistake that I see new photographers making when they're starting to shoot in home is they get in a house and they realize, okay, we need to get everybody sort of together and for like a smiling photo. And they line everyone up on the couch in a row. Uh. And it just looks like you're sitting there watching Netflix. It is not flattering. <laughs> it does not do anyone any... Like when was the last time you just looked at your reflection in a TV and thought... Like, yeah, I look really good right now. I look like I'm ready to have a portrait taken. Like, right. of course not. Um, but sometimes the couch is the only place that you can get the whole family in in a home setting. And if that's the case, use levels, use layers, have your subjects sit on the edge of the couch instead of, you know, sitting back. Um, and then sit on the armrest of the couch, have them lie down on the couch have somebody stand behind the couch and like attack from behind with a loving hug. I mean, the options are endless, but whatever you do, please do not line everyone up on the couch sitting there unflattering and also unnatural. We never, we never interact that way. If you're sitting on the couch lined up again, you're watching TV and that is like the base, like the very bottom rung of the ladder in terms of like family love interaction joy. So there's so many options to solve for that, but 
that would be like number one no no in my book. <laughs> okay, number one no no. So uh, you know what? Let's let's keep going through, and then we'll come back to yeah. each one of these. So the first sure. is don't don't create these static poses on the couch where everybody's just simply lined up. What's what's the second? One? Yep. Yep. So number two would be don't try to make kids pose. And I alluded to this before with like, can you, you know, stand here? Can you put your arm around your mom right here? Can you like lay your head this way? I mean, I definitely do this sometimes, but instead of having kids pose and stand still and hold still, harness their energy, get into what they're so good at, which is being energetic. Use that to your advantage to give life, movement, energy, love, and motion to your photographs. And then the third one would be stop taking the temperature of your clients and start setting the temperature of your for your clients. And what mm. I mean by that is a lot of photographers are start into photography because they are really good at reading people. And they can tell very quickly when they get into a session like, oh man, mom is stressed out. <laughs> Dad really doesn't want to be here or like kids super tired. And so they, when they're preparing for the session, they're so inspired, so excited to try out all these different ideas. And then they show up and they read that energy from, from the client and they immediately throw all their creative ideas out the window and fall back into safe fall back into everybody smiling looking at the camera maybe somebody's hugging and looking at somebody else but that's about where we stop and what we forget in that in that scenario is that we are humans mirror each other and so mm. whatever whatever you're reading from your client you're mirroring from them you're taking their temperature and yeah. and going with it but it can also go the other way. So if you begin to set the temperature, then they start to mirror you. Hmm. And it's so interesting because so many photographers will say like, oh yeah, my clients don't want to go there with me. They just, they won't be emotive. They won't um, open up. They won't relax and feel natural. And whenever uh, photographers say that to me, I know that they're not going first. You have to go first as the photographer. And it, again, embody that energy. And then you get that back. It sounds so like esoteric and kind of, um, not practical, but it's so, <laughs> it, it's so real. And once yeah. you, once you make that mental shift in your mind, mm. then you'll realize looking back at your old photos, your old family sessions, you'll realize how you have not been going first emotionally. Okay. Th this is, you already gave us so much, but I actually want to go back and dig at each one yeah. of these again. And, um, in case you saw me looking down and if anybody did too, that's watching the live stream, I, I've got literally I have a pen in my hand, a notebook <laughs> down here that I'm right. Taking notes on um, way to make me feel powerful. Nathan, <laughs> <laughs> I want to go back and, and get into each one of these. So the first thing that you talked about was not to create static poses on the couch. And I'm going to share my screen again here. And let's actually look at your, your website because you've got some wonderful examples of uh, kind of this example of levels. You mentioned the significance of levels as a solution to not just simply lining everybody up. And for anybody yeah. who's just listening to the audio of this, make sure you go to brookschultzphotography.com and you can scroll through Brooke's work. Of course, go to her Instagram account that we mentioned earlier, scroll through the work there and you'll see examples of this. But as I'm looking here, I, I'm seeing this. I mean, even with, with this portrait over on the left-hand side of yeah. we have we have the gentleman who's standing and the lady who's sitting in the chair and then the baby in her lap 
it's funny because normally, and I, I almost, in this type of a situation, I feel like I would be freaking out a little bit. I, I, he's so much taller and she's down here and we've got this, this gap, this space, but I guess it does create some sense of movement in the image as opposed to trying to put them all in the same level and kind of cram them in all really, really close together. Yeah. And I definitely cram them in really close together as well, but you have to think about you have to think about it from a compositional perspective. I Fair. think a lot of photographers get into a home and they think, oh, I'm I'm here because we're just going to be authentic and we're going to be natural and loving. <laughs> and so that means that I don't have to worry about my backgrounds. I don't have to think about composition. And of course, none of that is true. Like I still right. clear out, you know, chords out of the background or um, try to avoid distracting backgrounds and that sure. kind of thing. And so sure. the same is true compositionally, creating those levels, creating those layers. And use furniture to your advantage in a home. You don't have furniture in an open field. I actually find photographing in an open field much harder than I do photographing in a home because in a home you have tables, chairs, uh, sinks, beds, any like number of furniture that you can use to have people lie down and literally connect. Like if you think about the magic of, sitting around a dining table, that sitting around a dining table means that suddenly everyone who's super tall can become short and you can have hands reaching and leaning or you can have, um, I mean, I have an image where like a mom is, her feet are up on the table and she's leaning back in a chair um, like the queen that she is. And again, that goes back to my story of what it is to be a mom Um, that I want as as a mom, I have four kids. (laughs) And so my story of of motherhood is that I want moms to be viewed as just goddesses and queens of their home. And so I pose in a way that speaks to that Mm. with, you know, with women really as the central focus of an image where a lot of photographers are really focused on the kids and how the kids look. But I always say, if mom looks like garbage, the photo goes in the garbage. Like, I don't care how amazing the kid looks. If mom does not look good, that photo does not get delivered to the client, in my <laughs> <Yep>. view. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a great point. I actually want to going to bring attention back to your your website here because there's a beautiful example of this again notion of dynamic posing that we see. And for those of you listening in, this is this is just a reminder again to go to the video. We do have we'll have these video replays on Facebook.com/slash Book a Podcast and YouTube.com/slash Photogs Edit, but. What I'm looking at right now is a family on a deck, so naturally a flat surface where, to your point earlier, Brooke, we could end up with just people sitting in a, in a straight line. We've got, let's see, one, two, three, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, what, six kids? No. Is that yeah. right? One, is that six <laughs> one, kids? Two. Yeah, six kids. He- heads are all <laughs> over the place. I'm losing track. Somehow you've got six kids in here and not one head of those kids is on a is on the same level, and I think really two only two he- of the eight heads in here are actually on the same level. It's really brilliant. You have really do have a lot of movement in this dynamic nature uh, of the pose, but it's happening. For those of you who can't see or just listening to the audio, it's happening by having some stand, some sit. Uh, one kid's literally being held upside down, but you've got heads in all these different locations, and and. Also, additional movement created with their heads turned toward each other in different directions as well, not just simply looking straight at the camera. I think it's a beautiful example of the dynamic nature of a photo that could have been flat, but instead is just beyond dynamic. I I really, really love it. Thank you. 
Yeah, beautifully done. Well, so let's let's go to the next point. So we're talking about the significance, and I'm getting my notebook out here, the significance of avoiding the the static pose, the straight line pose, standing, sitting, all in a straight line, create levels in the image, whether that's by adding additional levels for those who are involved or having some get a little bit lower, others higher, arms around each other, standing next to each other, sitting next to somebody who's standing, vice versa. We can create levels and, and that creates visual interest and that's really important. The next thing, you said don't pose kids, leverage their energy. Now, this is a, I know, I mean, having done a little bit of families myself, I primarily photographed weddings, but having photographed families with, with younger kids a little bit, I know that this could be a little bit nerve wracking for photographers. They're like, let them exude their energy, show their energy. Like what? I, I can't control the situation. How am I going to get a decent photograph? What would your response be to them? Put mom and dad where you want them. Pose okay. mom and dad first. Get okay. them in delicious, yummy light. Pose them how pose them till the cows come home. Do whatever you would like to do with mom and dad. Okay. Then bring the kids in and have them do something. Whether that's jumping on mom and dad, tickling, attacking from behind, anything. But you've already set up mom and dad where you want them. And then the kids can just, again, exude their energy, bring all that motion and emotion that you need for your photos to not go boring and stale and terrible. <laughs> but it's happening in a space, in a light, and in a focus point, if that's something you're worried about, that you're ready for. Okay, that that makes a lot of sense. And that creates a little bit more of a sense of stability, I think, than this. Yeah, I don't this picture that came to mind. Maybe other photographers are thinking the same thing, like just kind of running around with a camera trying to capture the kids with their energy going crazy. You're still creating a little bit of structure. So the central point is, in this case, that one of the parents or maybe both the parents and then letting the kids kind of hover around them, if you will, run around them or Mm -hmm. do whatever it is that they Mm do. But they using that central point as an anchor that helps create a, a, a little bit of stability to the image. Is that right? Exactly. And I think lots of people think it's one or the other. It's either we are full posed and we are posing every single member of the family down to where their hands are going, or right. we're like full documentary. And the reality is that a lot of us would like to be somewhere in the middle. And yeah. the way that you can do that is by, sure, posing the people who are ready and willing to be posed and or the people that you the members of the family that you want to pose so again going back to that story of family for me that i want moms to look like goddesses and queens i'm gonna pose them goddess queen style okay <laughs> and then add in the kids on top add in the uh, add in dad add in babies whoever else is is in the family after that point yeah, I've got actually a, one of your posts, and this is back from April 2020, but I think this is a brilliant example of exactly what you're talking about. The The father in this case is sitting kind of on the back of the couch. Mom is standing nearby him. So we've, we've got some closeness created there. They do end up being kind of the central point of the image. And then three kids that are just kind of, to your point, Brooke, going crazy. Like the energy is coming out. They're playing around. Dad's holding one of them upside down. Uh, sisters in there trying to get involved brother is uh just laughing hilariously i guess as, as he's watching observing uh, quite amused at the scene but you've got the central point of the parents and then the kids built around them and i think that's a, a beautiful example and a, and a great reminder for all of our listeners when it comes to this technique of not overposing. because right the last thing that we want is stiff and certainly the kids aren't going to respond in most cases very well to stand right there stand like this put your arms here you know do this kind of thing that just gets frustrating and then that so-called energy ends up biting us all back because they're like, forget this. 
Exactly. Well, and I honestly feel much more anxious in a family Mm. shoot when kids are quote unquote listening to me than when they're not. And when the kids are looking at me like, what am I supposed to do next? That's when I start to panic because I'm like, no, I need your energy. I need you to go crazy. Otherwise, what am I doing here? I don't know. (laughs) So if you can get to that point where you truly embrace the energy and the, um, the motion and the craziness that comes with kids, but you can harness it, that's when you can make really magical photos. Okay, so I want to. This brings us to the to the third point. You said a lot of photographers will let the other client or let the client set the tone or set the temperature for the interaction and ultimately for the session. I think this is a great segue from what you were just talking about. I'm still curious to understand a little bit better what it means to to set the tone without controlling the scene too much. I, I mean, when we talk about this idea of energy, I in fact I really love this thought process because I know that even in my personal life in interactions with other people, even that are close to me, I've let them set the tone and then I project onto the situation and it just becomes very unenjoyable for lack of a better word or better phrase, right? If you go in and you set the tone, it's interesting how many people still look to you to set the tone for the interaction or for the relationship or otherwise and taking that leadership ultimately in that situation just helps create a better environment for the relationship or for the interaction. So I get that concept, but when it comes to, again, creating a beautiful photograph, how do you translate this idea of setting the tone or setting the temperature for the interaction to capturing a really visually pleasing image? Yes. A lot of photographers think they don't have ideas, but the reality is they're just scared to try the ideas that they do have. And so when you... Again, when you really spend time with that question of what's my story of family, what does it mean if I was creating a world? Because as artists, we create our own worlds, right? And so if you really step into, put on your artist hat, step into that identity of being an artist and think about what does family in my world look like, then you start to have ideas flow. But then the problem comes up oh, my clients aren't going to want to do that. They're going to look at me like I'm crazy or I don't know exactly how to make that happen. And the the shift that I want to invite everybody to make is to realize that just like family, just like life, a photo session is all of it. A photo session is messy. It's wonderful. You're going to make mistakes and it's, it's gorgeous and like a heaven's opening bird singing as well. Like if when you make room for all of it and you no longer are so afraid of looking unprofessional or mm. having them look at you and you not having an answer for what they're going to do right away, when you can hold that tension and let that tension create the dance floor, then you have then you have that energy that we that we need for for images that speak to humanity. We forget that we want to be transformed by art. Like think about any photographer whose work that you just love and could eat with a freaking spoon. I mean, it's just like, <laughs> it's yummy, it's delicious. You just, you're transported by it. You go to their world. And so if you want to create something unique in the world of family photography, you can apply those same principles. And 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 with that, with that artist mentality, then you realize, hey, it's not my job to make sure that they are super comfortable or anything like that. Mm. My job is to transport them. My job is to create art that when they look at it, whether it's on their walls or in an album or wherever it lands, 
that when they look at it, they are connected to the version of themselves that they want to be, that they're connected to the version of their family that they want to continue to create. Hmm. Okay, so a couple of things come to mind. First of all, you mentioned the idea that we're not trying to help them feel comfortable. I think I actually saw a quote, I want to say it was from Annie Leibovitz that said something comparable to that. Like there's this obsession that we have as photographers, wedding and portrait photographers in particular, that we're going to create this as comfortable environment as possible. And the thought process is we're going to get the best picture from that. What you're suggesting is rather than trying to control it, let them be them. And what we get as a result can be quite beautiful. I still, I guess the, maybe the kind of perfectionist organizational type personality that, that I have, I'm still thinking, but, 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 you know, like how, how do we, I guess, where's the balance between just letting things happen and ending up with crap photos and having something that still is visually appealing? And I know that that phrase visually appealing, I mean, it can be defined in different ways, but where, where is the balance in this conversation? Yeah. And I direct a lot. Okay. Uh, the, the kind of dirty secret behind all of this is that most, if not all of my photos are very, very directed. But they're not directed in the way that we're thinking about, like, where the hand is placed and all of that. It's Directed, not it's, posed, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Directed in terms of the moment that I'm creating with with what with what is there. So like I was saying before about I pose mom and dad and I put them in the exact position that I want them in. And then I add the kids in and get, like, this explosion, and I don't know exactly what I'm going to get. That's where the authenticity shines through of what the family is. And sometimes, yeah, it doesn't work. Sometimes somebody's head is in front of somebody else's head. And that, <laughs> again, that's part of it. But when you when you can have some tools in your tool belt, some games, tricks, all of those like brass tacks, then you can create it on command. And that you're free to, to pose whatever you would like to pose, but then still leave room for people to be themselves and for them to give something to you. I think that's the other thing that photographers think like, oh, I have to do everything. It's all on me. Like I'm posing them. I'm having all these ideas. It's all on me. And they're just sort of puppets. But it's such a collaboration. And when you set up the right environment, meaning you're directing enough, you have a clear, crystal clear vision of what you want to create, then they are free to give you what what's authentic to them. And then you have this, again, this dance and this collaboration that results in something that you couldn't have pre-planned and something that serendipity factor that is in so many images that we resonate with. Hmm. That's That's where that comes from. So what does the conversation sound like? Maybe just to kind of make it a little bit more tangible, because there does seem to be this kind of magic that you're, you're almost suggesting, right? This thing that's just going to happen. But I, I'm a very tangible guy. Like, I still want the, okay, give me the next steps. Like, what's the thing or the things that I do? Maybe to that point, talk to me about the conversation uh, with the parent to create this environment. I know that the energy, just the way that you're interacting with the parents, with the kids, a combination of both, that is going to help set tone, temperature, but how do they know what to do? You're directing, but not minusculely posing, right? These put your hand and your finger here and do this thing. That gets tedious, but you are directing. What does that conversation sound like? So a lot of times I do, I do very um, specifically direct 
one person, maybe okay. mom, okay. mostly mom. So I will, I will tell her exactly what to do. Okay. You're going to lean back in this chair and you're going to put your feet up and then you're going to take a deep breath in and let it go. Ah, oh, yeah, it feels so <laughs> good. And you're just going to look up at the ceiling and, and at, like slight smile on your face. Oh my gosh. It's so good. It's so good. And then like telling dad to bring the kids in, et cetera, et cetera. So when I'm talking you through that, to, you can I have tell. To stop you for a second, because you like you have yeah. this ability to just go into this mode. I mean, like you're, you're <laughs> you had this whole different tone of voice talking to mom, and then suddenly mm-hmm. you're to dad, and like is is that is that kind of a, a honed skill set over time that where you're because I could see how just that switch in tone of voice would yeah. automatically set the 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 tone for the interaction. Yeah, and I think we. Uh, we go to what's the tone of voice? What are you saying to people? Like sure. what's the, what's the what's the boots on the ground brass tacks of yes. what you're actually doing? Yeah. But it's really all this big picture stuff that I'm saying. Okay. So everything that I just did about like oh, breathing in and out and like having this having this uh, your head back and your like chin to the ceiling that's all speaking to the feeling that I want to create okay. and actually the feeling that has that has grown out of my own experience of motherhood very directly. So you don't have to have like this whole big, deep, um, you know, backstory about why you're doing what you're doing. But when you only address the tactics part, that's when it starts to become tedious, stale, feel hollow, uh, and ironically feel boring and feel like you're not being true to yourself and to the families in front of you. But Mm. when you, when you have both, when you have that, that story of family that I've been talking about, and you have the tactics of all the games and the tricks and the everything that you're going to, um, have the kids do and the way that you're going to, you know, pose and work light indoors and all those things, when all that is working together, that's when in, you get those magic photos it's not one or the other fair fair I, I i'm such a structured guy that i'm I, I tend to lean to the one or the other i'm learning i'm 41 and i'm still learning this in life that it isn't about the one or the other there's the gray there's the in between that's where stuff can happen um so point yes. taken last just very very quick thing here as we're finishing up brooke i'm, I'm noticing and i want to point this out again because of my technical tendencies uh, let me jump back over here to your Instagram feed. One of the things that I was noticing that's really interesting to me, and you've really you've spoken very well to why this is okay, but as I'm looking at, at some of these images, you talked about the significance of levels. And by the way, for everybody li- uh, listening in, listening to the audio version, we've got uh, Brooke's Instagram feed pulled up here as, at the moment we're scrolling through. But when, when I look at some of these images, my k- traditional training or learning about posing is in some ways it kind of has to be thrown out the door, but that seems to be kind of the value and the, the style, the approach that you're taking. Uh, for example, I'm going to scroll down here really quickly because I saw a, a great example of this just a second ago. Yeah. So let me pull up this image right here. So this was an image on Instagram, November 18, 2020. So my thinking, like if I was going to set up a family shot, my thought is, okay, I've got to get like the girl that's sitting on his shoulders. I need to bring her down, have her stand in front of him. And now we've got this triangle that we're creating and, and the viewer's eye doesn't have to jump up to her up on top of his shoulders. This is the technical side of me thinking or speaking, but push back a little bit. I, I think I know the direction you're going here, but push back a little bit. And to those who are listening in that want to be super technical, speak to why something like this is okay and what that ultimately enables for the overall experience of the session for the client. So we do have to address 
composition, of course. Like you're a visual communicator, you're a photographer, you need to know uh, you need to know about composition. But in within that, once you ha- it's the whole rules are made to be broken idea. That mm. once you have especially I think a lot of your listeners are probably in the camp where they know what to do. They're making family portraits and they're right. like, it's fine. It's fine, but it's not really doing anything for them. And they're mm. starting to feel bored. Okay. And when you start to feel bored and burnt out, yeah. then you're in grave danger of closing your doors and not being able to serve anyone, not being able to make portraits for anyone, mm. not being able to make any money, not being able to stay in business. And so if you look at an image of yours or anybody else's and you think, oh man, compositionally this like just shouldn't work, but it's it's still somehow it's still working for me. That's when I invite you to throw everything out the window and just go on feel. Um, and we each have this voice inside of us, this intuitive knowing that when we when we really listen to it, that's when we create what's ours uniquely to create. And neither me nor Nathan nor anybody else can tell you what it is exactly that you need to make. And so when when you're putting people on shoulders or putting people on levels that shouldn't work, if you like it, take that picture and then you decide. But take the picture. Don't stop yourself beforehand. Well, and it's kind of funny too, the, the things that we think are technically correct, whether it's the way the images are processed or the way the images are framed or posed, many times the ones that are we feel are incorrect are the ones that the clients tend to be drawn toward. They like them because of an expression, because maybe they remember the moment, whatever the reasoning, but it's their reasoning. It's not about us at the end. So it doesn't hurt, exactly. as you said, to just go ahead and hold on to that image, even if it doesn't necessarily feel right at the moment, because we never know where that can go. Exactly. Well, this has been a, a pretty compelling conversation. Um, and I, I love the I, I love that you're pushing against my tendency towards structure and not absolutism per se, but just like all the rules. And like you said, rules are meant to be broken. Another, another principle I'm also learning in life uh, at 41, I appreciate the reminder. And not just for me, but for everybody listening in too, Brooke, do, do remind our listeners too, because I know that we've, it feels like we just kind of barely scratched the surface. And you already mentioned the fact that you just came back from a workshop. I know that you teach the style of photography. Remind our listeners where they can learn a little bit more about some of that education that you're offering to the industry. Absolutely. So if you, if you're like Nathan and you're like, listen, I just need some brass tacks. I just need to know like how to direct people. I need to know all the games. I need to know all the tricks. I need to know all the tips. I have those for you. Um, you can go to brookbschultz.com slash get love soaked. I'll get the exact right link, um, for you in the show notes. But if you go to brookbschultz.com and click on love soaked, um, the, the course info is there. You can watch a free class to see if it's a good fit for you. Um, and then you can also get some free goodies at brookschultzphotography.com forward slash goodies. And right there, I give you, um, a, it's like a private podcast episode, an audio training for you about right. how to prep your clients for a lifestyle family photography session. So if you're like, oh, I'm, I've been doing more p- traditional posed family portraits and I'd really like to move toward this candid lifestyle way of doing things, um, that training will help you get started in prepping your clients for that. And then you can also download the exact questionnaire that I send to clients. Like I said, it's very simple, but you're welcome to copy and paste if it's of use to you. So that's brookshultzphotography.com forward slash goodies for that one and then brookbschultz.com for the course and if you want to go deeper i do an annual retreat and and other things like that 
Wow. Yeah, lots there. And we've got this pulled up on the screen at the moment, brookschultzphotography.com slash goodies. And, and as Brooke mentioned, we will link to this in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. And uh, you could just click over to that and link there from the show notes. But Brooke, I, again, I appreciate you making time for all of us today, uh, both pushing me, challenging me, but doing the same thing for our listeners. And uh, I, I appreciate the, I guess, not only the encouragement, but also um, the wisdom, the perspective from your particular style of photography, unboring family portraits for sure. And for everybody listening in, make sure that you do follow Brooke at Instagram.com slash Brooke B. Schultz. All right, everybody. Thank you so much. Thanks, Brooke. Everyone have a great day. Thank you, Nathan.